Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Changing your life is always difficult. Throw kids and a family into the mix, and it's no wonder that many people stop before they start. Today on the podcast, I'm with Zoe Kim, who is a mother of four, the author of the new book, Minimalism for Families, Practical Minimalist Living Strategies to Simplify Your Home and Life, and the voice behind theminimalistplate.com. But before we get into today's episode, Zoe has also been very kind and offered a digital copy of her new book, Minimalism for Families, to a listener of the podcast. Now, to be honest with you, I wasn't quite sure how to give this one away. So to make it super simple, which is what we're all about here, the first person to email me at mike at liveimmediately.com and mention the book wins. Happy days. But on to today's episode, and Zoe and I chat about minimalism and families, the challenges when bringing new ideas into the household, and how to get your kids or significant other on board, letting go of sentimental items, the fear of missing out, and the importance of taking action. Zoe also touches on an essential point that in the beginning of any change, things will be challenging and uncomfortable. But we need to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable with our feelings, to progress, grow, and allow change to take place. This is a really fun chat and one I know many people have been waiting for. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Zoe Kim. Hi, Zoe. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Mike. That is good. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? I am just outside Atlanta. Atlanta. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Atlanta is in the southern part of the United States. It is. It is. It's still warm, fall, red foliage leaves on the ground, and I'm wearing flip-flops. Ah, happy day. So flip-flops for, <laughs> for those people uh, here in Australia are uh, thongs, which you might you might, you might call okay. thongs something different in America, but we don't have we to go there. We definitely <laughs> do. Yes. Well, happy days, happy days. But um, I wanted to have a great chat with you today, Zoe, because a lot of the people that reach out to me or you know i talk to there seems to be Mm -hmm. this this common struggle with the busyness of life people feel like they're pulled in all different directions feeling overwhelmed and that there's just not enough hours in the day and then the Mm -hmm. things that they they are doing they feel they're not doing them that well because they're continuously thinking about that never-ending to-do list and we feel like Mm -hmm. our, our lives are full of these expectations and obligations and you know I guess what I've described there is really how so many people listening to this this podcast feel and I know it's how I used to feel and I'm sure it's probably how you used to feel as well and Mm -hmm. I I guess I wanted to start that conversation there is if you could kind of take me back to that time in your life when you were so busy and then that moment when you decided to turn it all around and change. Yes, sure. Thank you, Mike. 
Um, this was back about six years ago. My husband um, was in the Air Force, and we were planning on moving from our rental into a home that we purchased, and he was unexpectedly deployed. So he was no longer home when I was going to move our stuff, and we had two kids at the time. And, you know, as I was moving the stuff, I began thinking to myself, what am I doing? You know, I'm spending all this time focusing on moving all this stuff, unpacking all this stuff, taking care of all this stuff, rearranging all this stuff. As you can see, the stuff thing just keeps going and going. <laughs> and um, that was sort of, you know, the beginning of, an, of my aha moment for, you know what, I think that less is better. Mm. And so um, I was tired of, you know, spending time taking care of my stuff and I wanted to be doing other things with my kids, um, you, you know, and friends. And you, you talk about stuff there, like, like why do we hold on to so much stuff? I, yes, for me, um, misplaced value, I believe, mm. you know, I, I think that we, we are, you know, alone give our things the value that they hold and, we can learn to take that value away and place it on something else that isn't stuff. And you, you talk about values there and it's something that comes up a lot in, mm -hmm. you know, these conversations and, you know, you were saying how we put value on our stuff, but we kind of need mm -hmm. to be putting that value elsewhere. Yeah. How I find that some people struggle to articulate or determine where that, value should be going. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how, how did you kind of come around to that point? Slowly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think that's the, th I, that's, that's how it is with me. You, you know, sometimes when we get a glimpse of, you know, living with less stuff, we want it all to happen now. And mm. we think that we have to solve, you know, all of our lives problems right now, which first of all, we can't do that anyway. But, um, you know, we, we want to plan it out and we want it this way and we want it now. And I, you know, I think you just have to start with those small daily steps. And, and what were those daily steps for you? Well, in the beginning, the daily steps were, were really definitely about just the practical part of stuff, you know, having a home that's not cluttered. And so removing those items, you know, going through and saying, okay, I haven't worn this coat you know, for three years. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself, you know, a generous or, you know, thinking about other people and, and giving or, you know, and mm -hmm. going to soup kitchens, things like that. And so it's, I began to say, why do I have a coat in my closet for three years that's never been worn? And there's plenty of people around me that don't have a coat. So, you know, you just have to start getting honest with yourself and really, you know, identifying areas where you, you're keeping things for the wrong reason. Yeah. And, and like, I, I guess with that, you, you know, you speak there about, you, you know, getting rid of uh, like a handful of items. You know, mm -hmm. once you started doing that, wh where did you kind of really, I'm trying to get down to that, like the start mm -hmm. of that journey. Like, how did you mm -hmm. really start to define, you know what, I, I kind of need to make a change because I feel that... There's lots of people that are like, okay, you know, I, Mike, I get it. I've, I've got more, I've got too much stuff and I've, mm -hmm. I'm doing all of these things in my life. I'm running kids everywhere and I know I need to change, but there's just that, I don't know. I, they're struggling to kind of turn that steering wheel 
Do you know what I mean? That they, 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 they know, know, they know it and that they, they, I feel like they even know the tools, but they just, there's just something kind of stopping them from turning that wheel and changing directions. Like what for you was that? For me, that, that means getting uncomfortable with my feelings. That means allowing myself, you know, to feel the discomfort, to acknowledge the fact that I wasted things, that I've wasted opportunities, that I've wasted money, that I've wasted my time. And, you know, to walk through that and not, not, be, not be leaving myself in shame, you know, but to say, okay, I did these things that stinks. Now I'm going to move on because I've decided, and this is, this is what I say to myself. I have decided that I am not going to stay living like this, you know, or I'm not going to stay doing that. Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting that you talk there about, you know, being uncomfortable with your feelings because sometimes when Mm -hmm. we, when we want to change, we Mm want to change for the better and, and, and better is about feeling good. Yes. You know, from where we are now, but to kind of, to reach that goodness, there is a little bit of struggle and, and dirtiness that we have to go through. And I think that's a really, such a valid point that you've raised there. Yes. Pruning does hurt. <laughs> it, it does. But like when, when, you th- when you think about those things that you might have wasted time on and, and mm-hmm. wasted money on, and you, and you said there that you've just made that decision that you don't want to live life like that anymore mm-hmm. was it as simple as kind of you know sitting down with yourself feeling feeling uncomfortable and and making that decision and then creating action no no um i i decided to create action first and mostly out of frustration mm. i guess i hadn't you know really identified that with myself at that point i just know that you know for me and my personality I begin to get frustrated and I decide that I don't want to be frustrated anymore. So what can I do to change that? And then I go from there and I just start and I just keep going. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I remember reading a a, a marketing book. Um, I I forget the title of it, but there was this Mm -hmm. great phrase in there that actions change attitudes faster than attitudes change actions. And, yes. and it's so true then when you're talking about just doing things and, and, and maybe mm-hmm. like when I kind of look back at the process that Inga and I kind of went through, yeah, there were things that were going on in our life that w- we knew kind of needed to change, but it actually, yeah. uh, our attitude changed by just doing things, you know, right. pairing one thing and then two things, you know, really starting to question things and and I, I actually agree with you it was changing of those actions or doing those actions that actually changed our thought process yes and then you you also get the ball rolling on your motivation a hundred percent you know w- once you start seeing things and then exactly yeah, yeah very true yeah I, I try not to wait for motivation I just act yeah you know it's like I know this is the right thing to do. I'm gonna do it even though I'm not motivated. I'm not even gonna listen to myself, you know, like try to talk myself out of this yeah. I'm and, just gonna do it and I kind of agree with you there in a in a lot of even not not just paring down things but just anything in life yeah. is is if you start doing things for me, I get motivated on the doing, even if yes. it kind of doesn't it doesn't kind of go the way I had mentally right. planned. At least mm-hmm. I can turn around and go, well, Mike, at least you were doing something. Yes, absolutely. 
And we're kind of, you know, we're, we're dancing around the topic of minimalism here. And a lot of people, you know, that word is not foreign to people that are regular listeners of this podcast. But like mm-hmm. for you, what, what does minimalism mean for you? Minimalism for me is just, you know, ridding our lives of the excess so that we can be more intentional with the resources that we have, you know, mm-hmm. our family and the things that we have in life. Yeah. Now, hundred percent for, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, you know, about living, living more with less, like the amount of yes. things that I've been able to do, but, but it's, it's, it's funny. It sounds so silly to say this, but <laughs> how your stuff weighs you down and your stuff mm-hmm. in a sense controls you. And, and that sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, but but when you don't have it, it's it's unbelievable the the freeingness that it actually generates. Yes, I completely agree with you, uh, Mike, about everything you said. How it sounds silly coming out, but it is so true. And yeah. and you know you don't realize how heavy those things are until you remove them. Mm. And you've been going on this this journey like you're a mother of four, so a lot mm-hmm. a lot of the times p- people are saying to me you know, Mike, I'm kind of struggling with two things. One is, is really where to start. And the second one is how do I get my kids or my partner on board? Because often when we, we, we're bringing these, these new ideas into our home about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going against the grain because society's kind of telling us that more is better. And we're coming into the household saying, saying, Hey guys, less is more. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you've been able to kind of, kind of, take that dance with your husband and your four kids. Um, and you've also written a, a new book, Minimalism for Families, Practical Minimalist Living Strategies to Simplify Your Home and Life. And, and the yes. th- thing I love about that is, is you know, there's this, this essence about families. So, so what are some of your tips for when people are starting out and then also how to bring their kids and partner on board? Yes. So, you know, for starting out, and I know that is a that is a common um, struggle that I see and, and read about um, and that my readers share with me is where to start. And really, it's not so much where to start. It's just to start. You just have to get started and pick a place. And it at that point, if if the dilemma about where to start is stopping you, then that's not the problem. You know, it's not you don't actually have to figure out where to start. You just need to begin. So at that point, I almost want to say there really is just no wrong place to start. Okay. Except for your attic or your sentimental things. Just don't go there in the beginning. Um, and really begin with what will give you the most momentum. So wherever you feel motivated to begin, that's where you should start. Um, and as far as strategies to, bring your family on board, the best way to start, and I know this is not the most exciting answer, is to start with your own stuff. So, and you know, that that isn't just because you shouldn't go in and just start dictating, you know, what your family, family should get rid of or telling them how to live their life. It's also because when you begin on your own first, you're going to learn things about yourself. And you're going to be answering questions about your things that after you process all that and, and find these answers, you know, as a as a spouse, a uh, partner and, you know, a parent, you're going to be able to help your family more when you're in that position that you've already done it. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
it's really interesting how getting rid of stuff, you think sometimes you're going to have these answers, but often mm-hmm. you, you get questions, as you kind of mentioned there. There are so many questions that you start asking yourself as you're getting rid of the stuff, which obviously then leads to answers, but the questions definitely come, come first, don't they? They do. They do. And I mean, they're essential. I, I feel like I could, you know, write a whole book about questions. <laughs> I love questions. So it causes us to think. It causes us to change our actions. It helps us grow. I mean, if, if we're not asking ourselves questions, we're not growing. And, you know, you, you speak there about, you know, growing and, 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 and changing. What are some of the things that, that, you know, how have you grown and and how's your family changed? And what are some of the new things that you're doing, you know, after kind of living this lifestyle? Yes. Um, Actually, in the beginning, I didn't mention this when I was sharing my story about my husband, you know, being deployed and um, whatnot. But I came across uh, Bea Johnson's website, Zero Waste Home. And my I'm nowhere near her, her minimalism or her zero waste, but, um, and, and hers, it's fantastic, you know, what, what she's doing, but, um, seeing photos of her house really opened my eyes. Like here she is, you know, a mother of two, she's living happily. No, she's not deprived. They have everything they need and she's not spending time taking care of a bunch of stuff. And that, that really, um, that really changed me. Yeah. And, and I guess how, how have you been able to bring some of those elements into your own life? Yeah. So, uh, most of our kitchen, um, our kitchen items, like our, we don't have plastic. I haven't purchased paper towels in I, I think six years it's been, I mean, I'm not counting, but it's been about that, um, no more plastic bags. We use stainless steel straws. And so actually that's helped minimize my shopping list. I, there's fewer aisles that I go into and I've had these same stainless steel straws for about six years, as well as, um, stainless steel, like lunch, uh, bento box containers for my kids. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, my real quick, my, my son came home one day and he was sort of, you know, frantic, like mom, Mom, tomorrow we have to bring in a snack that doesn't make any trash. So, like, it can't be any packaged food. And I was like, buddy, guess what? You already bring a zero-waste snack to school. And he goes, oh, you're right, I do. And so (laughs) it was just so funny. Like, you know, the school was doing Mm. this one day a year. And I was like, you can share this, you know, with your friends. And, um, And so that's. That's one way, you know, we've been reducing our trash and um, things like that. And I guess, too, that th- there's been, you know, as, as you said earlier, that's a slow process kind of getting to that point. Yes. Like that, that's not oh, like is. people starting off need to do that because I, I know that when sometimes people are like, okay, I want to I wanna throw out all of my stuff and now I want to buy these new things that are going to help me kind of reduce my waste and, and, mm-hmm. and th- they are expensive, like those Bentone um, they are, you know, you, you know, I think they are $120 here in Australia, which is an expensive lunchbox. Um, mm-hmm. but if you're having yeah. it for a number of years and all this kind of stuff, it, it pays for itself as long as your kid doesn't lose it. Um, right. but you know, so, so, so there's all those things to kind of play around with, but I, I just really kind of wanted to say for people listening that like, these aren't things that we all need to do 
like no, straight that's away. That's a great point. Um, yes. But, you know, you've, you've been kind of going down this journey. What are some of the things that you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting out? Ooh, that's a good question, Mike. That's a good question, Mike, because there's so many things I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I wish that it's really not possible. You know, I think that we all have to go through the process at our own pace. And, and so I wish that I'd, I, I wish I'd gotten here faster. You know, I think everybody, you know, most people would, would feel that way too. You know, you decide that you want your whole house uncluttered and you just, you want to get it done. And so I wish that I had, I wish that I had seen this faster. Um, so it would have given, you know, our family more opportunities to have been more generous and, and, you know, with our time as well, um, spending, you know, time doing things with family rather than doing things with stuff. You, you talk about time there and, you know, I've said it so many times. I'm a, you know, I believe that time is the true currency and, mm -hmm. and, you know, Going through this process, and I, I keep saying the word process, but living this way, I feel yeah. I feel that time is is the big reward that I I continuously receive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I agree with that. And you you've we spoke about your kids. You've got four kids, and they're obviously mm -hmm. all at different ages, unless I'm mistaken. <laughs> no, they, well, thankfully, yes, they're all at different ages. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a three-year-old, a, a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and an eleven-year-old. And so, I guess you know, how is stuff and simplifying different at these ages? You know, the different ages of children, because you know, people listening all have kids of different ages. And and for you, you've, mm -hmm. I guess, you've been able to, like, see your your kids grow, and and maybe your younger ones have have only lived in a life of, you know, less because you know you've kind of been yep. doing it for for quite some time. But how mm -hmm. how is their, you know, how is their age and I guess their different personalities reacted to simplifying? Yes, one of my one of my sons, he does struggle a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say well, struggle sort of a strong word for it, but he does tend to sort of pack rat, you know, things in his room, you know, that aren't necessarily important. But he's pretty good about going through and, you know, because we've been doing this, we've been practicing. And so I, if I may, Mike, I want to mention that one of the ways that um I've introduced them to living the more of less is to have just frequent conversations with them. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily these big sit down, heavy, you know, conversations like, okay, you know, we have way too much stuff. We need to get rid of 80% of the things in your room because you have too many toys and you don't, you know, you don't play with them and you don't take care of them or something like that. It's more of, you know, Hey, what can we, what do we have that we're not using that's in great shape, you know, that we can give to somebody else, you know, because there's, there's local kids in our community that are in foster care. They have nothing. Um, and so I bring out, I, you know, I re I research local options, um, of ways that we can donate our things that are going to be helpful to other people. And then I share this with my, with my kids and I present it in a way that, Minimalism is not about, you know, giving up things and 
you know, not having a couch to sit Mm. on. It's about using your resources and things that we've been given and that we have in a better way. Yeah, it's such a great idea, you know, bringing them on the on on that journey, but like bringing it in a day to day setting instead of, uh, as you yeah. said, kind of that big sit down, you know, town hall mm-hmm. meeting kind of vibe. But I guess, right. but on that too, you're also playing the men's game with your kids at the moment, as I'm seeing uh, on on your oh, Instagram yes. are you, feed. Are you yeah. seeing that I'm behind too? <laughs> but, it, but but like, I'm so behind. I'm going to have a post about that though. <laughs> but I think that, I, I think that's great too. Where you know yes. you know playing that game um, and being able to kind of bring the kids on that journey like it just becomes part of a part of you know daily life right and you know letting go um it's I don't know if I want to call it an exercise but um the more you do it the easier it becomes and you know in this life you know, there are definitely things that are going to be useful to us, but then there's going to be a point where they're not useful anymore. That's just the way that it is. We're going to have different seasons of our lives and we're going to need different things. And it's important to be able to let them go. And what, what have been some of the things that you've struggled to let go of? Hmm, I would say some of the things that my grandparents gave me, I was extremely close to them and, um, in the beginning, I obviously didn't start with that stuff, but it really just, I enjoyed seeing those things. You know, my grandmother's coffee table, my grandmother's hutch, my grandmother's china. I, I actually enjoyed it. Mm. And then over, you know, the next three or four years or so, I, we, we moved all the time and we moved to Hawaii from the mainland um, twice So, you know, you put your stuff on the boat and so you go without your stuff and, and that's a great way to see Mm. what you really don't need. Um, hundred percent. We, we did, we did, we did that when we traveled America for a year, we, we came back and there was stuff in storage and we were like, well, our, cause we rented out our home fully furnished and we're like, well, our, our home has everything in it. We haven't needed this stuff for a year. Do we really need it? And it was that was a, a really big, quick and easy purge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, so go ahead, Mike. No, so I was going to say, like, it's interesting that you talk about that sentimental stuff there or, mm-hmm. you know, you like seeing it because it brings back a memory. So I was, mm-hmm. I was away this past week for my dad's 70th birthday and my parents, um, they hired a, a, a house in, in, in the in, on a farm, and so my mm-hmm. my sister and her husband, her four boys, um, and Inga and myself and Andy, we were all there spending a week. It was at, it, it was beautiful, and Mum had brought up um, some you know balls and frisbees and stuff like that for all the the grandkids to play with, and in she had put the frisbees in like I was in Scouts like Boy Scouts when I was mm-hmm. when I was a young. Um, so this, this thing is what, 30 years or 35 years, <laughs> no, 30 years old. I, I wasn't, I wasn't in scouts when I was two, but 30 years old. <laughs> and, and it was so in this scout bag, like this little drawstring scout bag that I think I had, you know, my plate and cutlery and all that kind of stuff in. And so right. when mom's like, oh, you know, Thomas, my sister's eldest boy, just re- cause he's in Cub Scouts now, saw the, the scout symbol and we were kind of talking about that and, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and my mom kind of joked, she's like, see Mike, if this was at your house, it would have been thrown out and we wouldn't have been able to have, you know, this trip down memory lane. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, but mom, the, the memory isn't 
it's not in the item. But then right. on the flip side of that, we probably wouldn't have had that conversation if the mm-hmm. item didn't trigger our memory. Very and true. so that's the, I find that is a, a hard part about the sentimental stuff. Not saying that this, this drawstring scout bag is sentimental to me. It's not in any way, but it was, it was actually right. a nice kind of 15 minute conversation that we were able to yeah. share between three generations. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, I can definitely see that. Um, I, you know, I don't know, Mike, have you found any value in taking, you know, photos of things that have been sentimental and putting them in a book with just a little, you know, snippet about what that was or. Uh, no, I have. I've never done anything like that. You know, Yeah. it's, uh, it's randomly for, for my, for a wedding present for my wife. I, I yeah. made her a book of, um, like all different, say, um, movies, stubs that I'd collected or places that yeah. we'd been overseas, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I yeah. photographed them and I put them in this like hardcover book and, and, you know, that was given to her on, on our wedding day. And like, that was, that was lovely. And, and I, you know, Andy, yeah. our daughter who's six now sometimes picks that up and what is this? And we can kind of tell her about it. Um, mm-hmm. so I can't, you know, that in itself, I guess, is a sentimental stuff that's been, encased in something that we can kind of keep um right but no i've never you know i haven't i haven't taken the photos and put them in albums have you have is that something that you've done i haven't taken photos of every single item you know sentimental item that i've actually you know discarded but i have taken a photo of a few items um just so that i can remember what they were and and that's another thing too. Uh, you know, my grandparents had some things, just some small things like a medal, you know, that they got in Germany. And and my grandfather worked for NATO. And I'm like, what is this? You know, I wish that I knew what it was. Mm. And as cool as this item is, I would just like to know, you know, what it was for and if it actually even meant anything or, or really what the story was behind mm. it. So I would appreciate the story um, recorded much more than, you know, the item. But um, I think, too, sometimes we might be afraid of missing out on every single memory, mm-hmm. you know? And it's funny. I think that missing out, though, yeah. is deeper than just the sentimental items. I think that's right. that's often part of the reason why we don't want to let go of a lot of items, you know? W- yeah. w- w- will I be missing out, you know? It, it's mm-hmm. It's even, I think, why we... You know, if, if you really get down to the root cause of why we continuously strive for more, it's because mm-hmm. we're scared we're going to miss out. Like we want mm-hmm. more money. So just in case I need to, to mm-hmm. do it. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it, it really yeah. is that that notion of kind of miss, missing out. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if I'll be, you know, changing this perspective in the future. But lately, you know, I've been telling myself that you know, the fear of missing out is, it's just, it can cause me to try to crowd too many things in together. And then I end up not enjoying anything at all. Mm. It's so true. I, I had a conversation with my wife last night about the moment that we're in right now, you know, cause there was, you know, certain things that we were talking about, um, you know, family, family stuff. And I was like, you know what, maybe right now is the moment. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, mm-hmm. this is the stuff that we've been wanting. You know, yeah. and I look back mm-hmm. at the the school holidays. Um, have just we we have 
different schooling to you in the States, but we've just had two weeks of school holidays and we've been fortunate that um, one week we were up house sitting uh, a friend's farm and the other week we were away with my, my family for my dad's 70th birthday. And we've been able to freely kind of do those things because of the way that we've structured our life. But the way that we've structured our life um, has disadvantages for for other things, do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But but which is better? Maybe right. maybe what we have now is is the best. Like, why do we mm-hmm. always want more? <laughs> and it kind of goes back to what you're saying: is that fear of missing out? Well, if I don't have that, then will I be yeah. missing out on this? If I if I can't get that job, if I can't get that item, if I can't go on that holiday, you know? And it's it's just that that circle, that cycle that just keeps going round and round and round. And, you know, as one of my, my past guests, Ben has said, you know, we chase that imaginary finishing line, but we never arrive there. Right. Right. We just go round and round. It's a cyclical cycle. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. But just, I've got a couple more questions before we go. And one is around technology, because I know Mm -hmm. that many parents are having this tug of war between technology mm-hmm. knowing that hey in the future our our kids kind of need to know about it but we also mm-hmm. know that you know the the disadvantages of of kind of having our heads buried into a screen all the time and yeah. it, it's it's interesting like this this generation that's growing up now is is kind of one of the first generations where their parents have their heads in screens yes. and we don't yeah. know how that is affecting them yet. Like I think we can all with common sense understand how, how that is going to affect them. But you know, those studies aren't kind of out yet and they won't be for, you know, a decade or so, but how, right. do, how do you tackle that, that technological tug of war in your own family? Yes. Um, well, we actually, we have a charging station and we also kind of have a sleeping station. So, uh, I mean, first of all, my, my three and four year old, they don't have, they don't get devices. Um, so there's just so many other things that we could be doing. I'm not out to say that, you know, all iPads are evil or anything like that, but there's, you know, I would just rather them be playing and building forts and, um, things like that. So we, we have the charging station and we have the sleeping station. And so our 11-year-old, she does have her own device and she does not um, bring it to her room when she goes to, to bed. And she can't, she doesn't use it past like, you know, 8.30 or so. So it's just, just kind of keep... setting, setting those boundaries around the usage. Exactly. Yeah. Setting the boundaries. And I think, you know, that kind of brings me to another point that I've just found so essential with teaching kids um, you know, the more of less is setting those boundaries for whatever it is. Um, and not, you know, not in a moment of frustration, but like, Hey, this is healthy. You know, I think that's a lot of, of what I share too in the book is, is my perspective. You know, this isn't like a punishment. This isn't, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. You know, boundaries, healthy boundaries are positive and this is what's going to help you thrive and make, you know, good choices. So, and, I, and then I do the same thing mm. as well. So, and, and that's the thing too, like those boundaries, they, they might be hard at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, you have like, to force yourself. Yeah, and it's, 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 so much, it's so much easier. Like, we, you know, again, an, another story, when we were traveling through the States, we had, we had hours in the car. You know, I think the longest haul that we did were 45 hours in the car over three days when we were going from Breckenridge, Colorado to Rhode Island, uh, Providence, yes. Rhode Island. And we, we didn't have screens over there at all. Um, 
we we couldn't get um, we couldn't connect our phones to the like the data over there, so we just uh, we didn't have access yeah. unless we were connected to Wi-Fi. Um, right. So. I guess that that option was taken away from us, so I don't want to kind of get on a high horse here at all. So that option was taken away from us, but what we found is that our daughter, Andy, who was five at the time, she just Mm -hmm. found ways to amuse herself. You know, Inga and I were a little bit prepared by, like, we downloaded some kid-friendly podcasts and things Mm -hmm. like that, but, but... we did it. You know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. those things, those things are possible. You know, you, you might need to think ahead and there might be a bit of a yes. struggle there at the Absolutely. initially, but yeah, I think those healthy boundaries yeah. definitely work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it, it's interesting whenever, um, you know, whenever I want to walk someone through, you know, doing a screen detox maybe for their kids, especially if they're younger as well, like, three, you know, preschool to elementary school. It's amazing the things that would excite them that you Mm. can sort of deter them with like a big, huge box, you know, that they can play with and, and cut up and draw all over and glue pieces of paper to it or, you know, whatever they want to do with it. So, you know, things, you don't have to find things to that cost money or, you know, yeah, it's so true that you talk about the the, yeah. the big box. I remember yeah. my father-in-law uh, and my mother-in-law, they, they got a new fridge. So they had this, this huge box that <laughs> the, the fridge best. came in. And, yes. and John, my father-in-law, he turned it into this house. And so at the time, <laughs> there was Andy and her her two older um, cousins who were all mm-hmm. kind of at that, you know, eight and below. And mm-hmm. they played in this box for so long like yeah. that, that box was around for like months, like months yeah. and months. I think it got to the <laughs> point where, you know, you know, my, my parents-in-law was just like, we've got to get this thing out of the house. This is ridiculous. But, <laughs> it's, yeah. But it's so true. That is so funny. But I have one final question here for you today, Zoe, yes. which is a question that I ask all of my guests. And that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Oh, my perfect day. I... You know, at this point, that would be surrounded by my friends and family somewhere on a beach. Just, you know, enjoying our time together. And then, you know what? You know, we're talking about the fear of missing out, Mike. Maybe maybe now I want to change my answer. You know, maybe, maybe I'd want to go visit people who are um, in a nursing home and bring them to the beach with us too. (laughs) That would make me really happy. So I have a soft spot for, for older, you know, elderly people. And um, I love visiting them. Yeah. Ah, that's beautiful. Both of those. I love them. I love them. Well, there are definitely beautiful beaches here in Australia. So you could have many perfect days like that down here. If I, if I make it over there, I'll be giving you a call, Mike. Most definitely. But thank you, Zoe, for your time here today. And I know that it's at a weird time for you. It's at, it's at bedtime uh, over in, in Atlanta, so you had to kind of juggle a few things. So th- thank you for that. And um, thank you again for the time writing your book and, and all of the great tips in there for you know people that kind of want to bring minimalism into their life, but especially people that have got families and things like that. Um, but if people do want to reach out to you or learn more about you, um, what's the mm-hmm. best way for them to do that? Sure. They can visit uh, my website, theminimalistplate.com, and just click on the uh, contact me and and. They can write me directly. I'm also on Facebook at The Minimalist Plate. 
And um, I'd love for them to to visit my website and check out the book tab where I share more about my new book, Minimalism for Families, which is releasing October 24th. Um, with the generosity of a few of my friends, um, I've put together some excellent pre-order bonuses um, for those who order my book before October 24th. Mike, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Brian at No Sidebar. Yep. Um, Yep. So anybody who orders, uh, pre-orders my book will get, um, no sidebars, 30 day, 30 days to a simpler life email, uh, email course. And then, um, Danae over at simple families, mm -hmm. she has generously, uh, donated her toy detox course to oh, everybody who pre-orders as well. I yep. actually, actually had Danae on the podcast, um, probably. Yes. Maybe, yeah, maybe four or six weeks ago. Um, beautiful mm -hmm. chat. Amazing chat. Yes. So many great tips. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I will definitely make sure that I have all of those links in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Um, but Perfect. before we go, is, is there anything that I've missed out? Any final comments before we say goodbye? No, Mike, I just want to say thanks for this opportunity. And thank you for, um, you know, creating this podcast and sharing such, such a great message. Yeah. Thank you for that. So more than yes. welcome. But um, thanks again, Zoe. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.